Welcome to Live Sense 8. I'm Sheila Applegate. And I'm Zach Hansen. And a special shout out to Justin Applegate for the composition of the Live Sense 8 podcast music. In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sense8. We're doing an episode-by-episode exploration of how we can live a Sense8 life, and we're also talking with cast and crew and team members of Sense8 to hear the experience from their perspective. Enjoy the show. Welcome to 2019. We are kicking off the year with a live audience live Sense8 podcast in San Francisco on January 25th. And you are invited. Maximilian Ewell, who plays Grace, and Michael Summers, who plays Bug, Sandra Fish, who plays Janet, Tino Rodriguez, and Virgo Pariso who were the fairies in Sense8, will all be joining us for a live panel discussion, which will be a ton of fun. We will have open questions for the audience. Check out the website, grab your ticket, claim your seat, and come play with us in San Francisco. The next day on January 26, we have a couple of spaces opened still for a fractal illumination gathering, which is very sensate. So if you are interested in exploring that, go to fractalillumination.com and see if that is a perfect fit for you because we're waiting for the last couple of people. So Zach. So Sheila. We are headed to San Francisco pretty soon. All right. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I know we've announced it, but we're doing the live podcast, and we have such a great group of people that are going to be with us. Like, what a party. In person. With Bug, Grace, and Janet, and the fairies. Yes. And And their people. Yeah, and their people. I wonder if anybody else will just kind of drop by who knows you never know (laughs) all you san francisco people come hang with us on the 25th of january 2019 tickets are available on our website but we're gonna have fun just hanging with them for the time leading up to it and after and then also we the next day we're doing a fractal illumination. So if people are interested in that, we still have a couple seats left for that. Yeah, and you can go to fractalillumination.com to check that out and what it's all about. So anyway, I've I've got San Francisco on my mind, but we also have an incredible episode to dive into today. Mm, we do. I really like this episode. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're all so good. This, I don't want to say it is my favorite, but if I had one, it, this might be up there and in, in the ones that I enjoy the most. Or not even, it's not even about enjoying, but we'll dig into it. It's yeah, there's like, just a lot here. I mean, I know we say this every time. From, I guess. Yeah, but sometimes they 
are like kind of, I mean, they're good, but we hit the end and we're like, oh my God, now we have seven clips in the last 10 minutes that we need to do. And we hadn't had many. But this time, by 10 minutes, before 10 minutes in, we'd already picked several clips. So, yeah, it just like starts out with a bang and keeps going. All right. In this podcast episode, we're going to talk about season two, episode seven. I have no room in my heart for hate. This was directed by James Mateague. And we got to talk to him in Chicago. Oh my gosh, what a great conversation. (laughs) And this episode was created by Lily and Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. And it was written by J. Michael Straczynski and Lana Wachowski. So the episode starts with Riley on the plane headed to Chicago. Yeah, she doesn't like what Will's got to say. <laughs> yeah, I loved that when she asks the attendant for earplugs, and then Will's like, earplugs aren't going to work because I'm talking inside your head. And the rest of them are like, she knows that. She's making a point. <laughs> That's just like a great line. It is. And I, I just kind of like how they actually show Will's insecurities here. Like he gets like super insecure. Yeah. And, you know, just to pop in, because we weren't going to dive deep. There's so much in this episode. But at one point, he does apologize to her. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm not being myself. I just am so worried for you or protective of you. And even you said twin flame (laughs) like it's that energy of that so so intense you can't it's like it almost supersedes the logic Logic. yeah it's just like a visceral reaction um and i did i did enjoy that they caught that because he is healthy in partnership he is good to her they have a a respectful partnership And yet he's experiencing this intense emotion where he behaves in a not so healthy way, but he apologizes for it. So I did like that scene. Yeah, it was nice. It's nice to see Will's weaknesses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that theme actually kind of moves throughout all of it because we see this emotions versus logic theme going on throughout the whole episode and how do we navigate the two and that leading with logic is something sometimes helpful but then that's also hurtful in some ways too and the learning to balance the two yeah the balance is very important so early on too i think it's right after will said that about you know i'm in her head and then bug says Visiting is like FaceTime without the phone. <laughs> I thought that was like one of his, I mean, he, of course, Bug has a lot of great lines, but that's a really good one. Yeah, it's a good analogy for sure. And it goes to the theme. Do you remember, um, I don't know if it was Ethan, which one of our guests told us that that the idea did springboard from the conversation about the internet? Somebody told us that, and so right, like that weaving together. The, yeah, the we've premise, talked about that before, yeah. and there we've got that weaving together, and how the internet can springboard us into this next level of communication if we use it that way instead of separating ourselves with it. Another thing I noticed, just kind of going through the beginning, and 
they reference a mass shooting, and that weaves throughout the episode too. Is the yeah, it's idea. pretty important part of this episode? Actually. Yeah, yeah. But there's a line from Neitz in there that says, "At this point, aren't mass shootings just business as usual in America?" And it almost feels like this was written in 2017, and it's just gotten more true, which is sad. It is sad. It's very, very sad. In fact, just we just had a conversation in our own lives. It didn't happen, but we're in a small town, and Zach heard a very, very small. Town. <laughs> we have one stoplight and no grocery store. <laughs> but apparently, I just missed it. But a propane tank, a two hundred pound, two thousand, two thousand pound propane tank exploded, and it was right near the high school. So when I drove back, I saw an ambulance at the high school, not knowing what was going on, but I was just, I had a real reaction of like how impacted those high school students must be in this world right now to hear an explosion nearby and how many of them, how, I don't know anything yet about what happened, but that intensity of how we're prepping a whole generation to just be on guard and ready for you know, mass shootings or explosions for trauma trauma in their school that we send them to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know this wasn't even about a school. This was a church. Like it's all, it's all over, but it's just, yeah, it's sad. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a, it was a sad line because it hit home. Let's see what else happened in this episode. We had, so Riley not, she does get to Chicago and she meets Diego, Diego. I say Diego. You say Diago. (laughs) She meets Diego. (laughs) I think they say Diego. She meets him, and um, that's kind of cool to watch him come in. Again, a logical person, but in the beginning, he was the one that kind of had explored the out there more than Will had. If you think back to the beginning, he was talking about some of his episodes, and now Will's gone so far beyond that. But Diego's able to catch up. I mean, it takes him a little bit. He's pissed that Will left him. Yeah, uh, confession time. I shed some bro tears in this scene Did last you? time we watched it. Not not a lot. There's some that came out of my face. I'm yeah. Like, oh, my eyes are wet. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it was... It was really it's, it's a like, beautiful yeah. friendship. It and is. Well, it's it's more than friendship, and that's the thing. Like, they're family. Like, yeah. His family missed Will. Like, that's right. a big deal. Like, it's right. more than... They're very intertwined as partners, and so... Yeah, and... Oh, you got me tearing up right? now. <laughs> and, then, and then Will's like, well, I had to do this for your safety, because I know who you are. I know you that well Right. I'm sorry I put you through this, but I know you're a terrible, terrible liar. And I also know how much you love being a police officer. Right. So, I mean, there's just so much love in that scene. Yeah. And so, of course, some bro tears were shed. <laughs> yeah. And I like how Diego really, even with that, he 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 eases into just Riley being both of them, you know. But it's cool because they use technology in that situation, too, because Will heard what Diego was saying through Riley, and he picks up his cell phone and calls him and answers it. And, like, that's that evidence we're all looking for, you know? Right, yeah. And, well, Diego keeps getting more of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, so when synchronicity is happening or or whatever, you know, it's kind of like, oh, there's there's something to this because it's not at a point in time, things like that don't become coincidence anymore. So you kind of got to reexamine what's going on with life. Which is interesting because I think, well, Bug definitely got to see inside and get that evidence too. But there aren't a lot in the eight that actually experience it. Jella, he's kind of like, yeah, I get it. You know, he watches him, but it's different. This actual interaction, I heard you through this person. I'm watching you come through another person. So like with Jella, he saw Sun come through Cavius. So he saw Cavius do things that he didn't associate with Cavius, but he didn't see somebody right, they, doing they, something. He, like this is a new phones. dynamic. Right. He wasn't separate from him. Like they're using there's two sensates involved in person and, and Diego is with the other sensei and Will is the one that's visiting, right? Yeah. So it's a it's showing at a different dynamic how that can weave together and how you experience your friend through another sensei versus another sensei through your friend. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool dynamic. I really like him. And then we've got, and we're going to go into this more, but we, in this, you know, just talking about the episode, we've got Dakala and Rajan storyline about the drug in, industry and what the pharmaceutical place is doing. I had an interesting thing that I noticed on Twitter or Facebook recently is that somebody, there was a discussion going on. And so Rajan's friend is RJ, the kind of sleazy friend. And there was a discussion about whether RJ was a sensei, like of the Leela frequency, like the not so nice ones. And um, if that would have developed over time. And I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. But who knows what was right. we didn't presented see any to be- evidence develop. of that either. Plus, Kala looked him in the face, so they could have been visiting the whole time. Right, you have to see another sensate to visit. Oh, so that right. it would and have so, maybe triggered it. Right. Yeah, so I just thought that was interesting that I had seen a discussion about that. And then we have Grace. Up, They're out where the fathers are. So Amanita's fathers live in the mountains together. So side note, I'm pretty sure Maximilian said that that's the place that Sandra and Mike might take us or that she's going to take us. Like, that we get to go see those woods, which is pretty exciting. That's badass. <laughs> right? <laughs> Okay, so I know we've talked about the discussion that they have before. My thing on this one is when they're in the kitchen afterwards, I was like, every time we've watched it, I'm like, that's the scene from The Big Chill. Like, there's an iconic scene, and I know Zach is like, was two when the big chill came out. <laughs> Never even heard of that movie until we had this conversation. And I don't know why it's important. Like, but the big chill was an important movie with a really good soundtrack. And that scene, I have actually seen a couple shows replicate that scene. And I remember, I don't even remember what the big chill is about fully. But I remember that scene and I'm like watching this and I'm like, this has got to be a shout out to that 
Sheen. How can it not be? And I was like, I don't remember what was playing. So I looked up the the scene, the kitchen scene for um, the big chill. And the dancing looks all the same to me. It's the same feel. The song wasn't the same. So I got obsessed. And I'm like, I, I it still feels like it. So it is on the soundtrack. It's just not the song that was from there. So I honestly believe that that had to have been... Little shout out, little recognition. Yeah, and to me, I think it's an Easter egg. Now, I also, for all of you who are connected to J. Michael Straczynski on Twitter, if you read his posts, I've seen him be like, yeah, and more about like other shows, but I've seen him say, yeah, like you're reading too much into it. We just wrote that. But my thing is, even if they didn't do that on purpose, which I can't imagine they didn't, but even if it was only partially directing us there, I think creative source energy works through those. And so I still think it's true. Because in the big chill, at the end of the kitchen scene, this is what they say. And this is where I think if we follow these scavenger hunts, (laughs) whoever put them in there, we get to see things. But that scene ends with... I was prejudiced in their favor. I thought because they look like us and talk like us that they were going to think like us. And I'm like, how is that not someplace we were supposed to go find? Like, I don't know if it was the well, creative source right. energy we've, or somebody set that up, but... We've, we've talked about this before, right? Whether it's a conscious effort that gets put into creative projects or an unconscious effort, they get there. Yeah, and so that's a big deal. And I kept picking it up; like I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. Every time we saw that scene, I'm like, they they did this on purpose. Like it's it's like life is talking to us. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) through synchronicity. Weird. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Do we believe that, Zach? (laughs) I don't know. Let's ask Diego. (laughs) Right, call him up. All right, so then we also have Danny, Hernando, and Lido are on such a high coming back from Pride. And they just feel amazing. And they get hit twice. And we're going to do the clip when they come in and, and um, Danny's parents are there to talk to her. But so he also goes to his agent who's just like, you know, and he's all like excited, like I came out. I was received, you know, life is great now. And his agent's like, we're no longer representing you. And Lido says, you were, you said I was your guy. And his reply is, you lied to us too. And that was just so angering to me and frustrating. And to me, I kind of think it's like a a theme that's happening, like one of the greatest frustrations in the world right now with this whole, or our country or whatever, this alternative truths and and just this like equivalency of a lie, right? So in the, in the intention, so Lido by society to stay safe and to be in the business and fit the standards of the business, he felt like he had, he couldn't come out, right? And so then he becomes more of himself. And yes, that is a lie. But is that, the, is that equal to someone who is just using you and lies to you that you're important as long as you're making their money and then 
turns on you. Like to make those two lies comparable made me nauseous, which I think was the point. But <laughs> do you know what I mean with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's it's a it's a sad situation. It's business. Right. Like that, that's the reality, and that's why it's so impactful in the show, is because this happens to people all the time. Maybe not even so drastically. Like we took it, we go back to episode two, and we're listening to Nomi's blog. I am mm-hmm. a me, and I am also a we. And we talk about earlier in the podcast, we talked about how that's everybody's journey in a way. Like there might be different intensity levels or extreme levels of this but it's kind of the same concept playing out right right whether it's in this industry or some other industry or well, whatever right. job it may be kind of thing and you know it's just how we have it's our, our structure of society unfortunately and that carries over to Nomi's statement because somebody asks her so she made the id to get riley into the country the fake id and somebody asked her, how are you, did you get so good at making fake IDs? And she explains, which I have had personal experience with, she says, every trans person needs a new ID. And when government makes it too hard to get them, I make it easy. And it's like, when we put these structures in, we will find other ways. So those are lies too. It's that sort of um, need-based adjustment that happens with it. Well, it's like it's a hall of mirrors. Right. Once you lie the first time, like or you, you, you lie, you, you yell into a canyon of lies and all you hear is lies back. Ooh. Right. So it's just like Osho says, we're the only mammal on the planet that lies and we lie to ourselves and you look around and that's a big source of all of our pain. Right. But then the upside of that whole scene with Leto is when he got in the elevator and the other actor was in the elevator and you can see how in conflict he is with himself but then he he hugs Leto and he thanks him and it's like okay Leto can remember that okay so I might have lost that agent but I'm helping humanity Right. Well, it's really the truth that sets us free, right? So yeah. it's this whole concept that we have to, whatever roles we think that we're playing are a lie. <laughs> right. Right. Because whatever, whether I'm going to be a good son or a bad son, a good brother or a bad brother, a good lover or a bad brother, whatever that is, we're just trying to fulfill these concepts that we perceive somebody else is projecting about their perceptions about us. So it gets very convoluted right. and none of it is true. This is true, Zach. <laughs> right? <laughs> that so none of it you, is you true. Cannot, you cannot bother with these things if you want to live in peace and you want to live in joy. You have to set yourself free because then you really know who your real friends are and you get to experience, like it's really about experience yourself as a free, authentic being and not worrying about the rest of your environment because you can't wait for your environment to say, okay, it's time for you to be authentic now. That will never happen. True. Before we dive into the clips, what else did you see? And for me, this particular episode is one of those episodes that it was just like, oh, we actually didn't talk a lot. Usually Sheila and I have a little discussion or a big discussion after we watch and we talk about us and then the next morning before the podcast or whatever, we, we have a lot of discussion. And for me this time it was, 
is more about just processing what was happening on an emotional level. This is such an emotional episode, and so much was conveyed in between the lines, so to speak. Right. Right. So I just was really just kind of sitting with so much of it. That's that's what I have to say about this episode. It's, that's why like, I don't want to call it my favorite, but I got so much out of it even watching it the second time because, again, this is only my second time through Sensate. Mm-hmm. I've only seen it once prior to this, and then we're kind of dissecting it. And it's, you know, like I said, I had a little little confession there, little little tears with Brian and Diego and how much love they have and how much of a family they are. And just those kind of things were um, really awesome. To ex- it was an experiential episode more than intellectual. Emotional more than logical? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, a, to me, it's a play on all levels with that. But I right. get what you mean. I mean, it is. Well, that was, you know, that's kind of one of the themes of the whole That's episode, what I'm saying, right? yeah. 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 Like like it, it, this is where they do this magic. It's one of the themes, and they create the art that makes us experience the theme, not mm-hmm. just watch it, you know? Right, whether that was consciously done or subconsciously done, that's the... Supraconsciously <laughs> done. <laughs> it is definitely supraconscious, because you have the creators... You have the medium, and then you have the viewers. And exactly. so you have a trinity. And without that trinity, you can't have the supraconsciousness. True, true. So one of the other scenes that I love, and you guys have to go back, if you didn't hear our interview with Zakia, who is Mombi, then... What are you waiting for? Right? Pause go back this. now. <laughs> go back now. Because... Honestly, and this is happening more and more as we get in to go deeper into the episodes and we've already interviewed people because like some of the best scenes we've interviewed people about. So we already dissected the scene with Mombi, the actor who plays Zakia, the scene where Kathias takes Zakia to meet his mom at that school. You need to dive back in and hear our discussion about that. But you know what I'm just thinking about, Zach? In our Consciously Awesome alumni community, starting yesterday, like yesterday all day, the members were discussing school and how it needs to be revamped and bring the art back to the children. They were totally discussing this whole thing. We didn't mention, like they don't know. That was the super consciousness because there was no physical world i didn't even put it together but as we were prepping for this that conversation surfaced and was brilliant in the community yeah very awesome oh man that's exciting so anyway i have to quote kathy's mom and then you have to listen to that episode if you haven't already but she said one cannot create or achieve anything unless they can imagine it first and that is like the foundation of what I teach and believe and think about. And if you go back and listen, you'll definitely hear more about that. <laughs> and then just finishing up the episode as far as, you know, as it unfolds, there is Riley. She goes into the church and, it, and so the archipelago sends her to the church that Angelica killed herself and of course diego's like oh geez like of course we're back here again (laughs) i know we've talked about the black pill and then the matrix and the red pill and the blue pill 
that scene to me really reminded me of that. It's it's like got this little sign in the dust, drink me. <laughs> and then she's got to take a choice of whether she's going to keep her superpowers or let them go. And But anyway, that's when we do find out uh, more about why Angelica, like that Angelica's intentions were good and that the B, we get a sign that the BPO was intended. You know, we get more confirmation about the BPO and they start to learn that the intention was good and it got derailed by Milton. Whispers. And then we land, we end that whole episode. We end with uh, the explosion of the cluster fight. Which was really cool. It was cool. But there was no CG, which made that way more cool. Yeah, that's amazing in the art of it all. And I really loved how Wolfgang, he doesn't have the words, but he floats by everyone and they're like, does Wolfgang need help? And he's like, I got this. If he got that, why did he show up in everybody? Why did he visit everybody before? I mean, he may not have consciously meant to, but they're all called in by his higher consciousness, even if his lower consciousness was going to go to try to deal with it alone like he always does, you know? So that was kind of cool, too. Well, it's a good thing the cluster knew better. Exactly. And knew him it's enough like they were to the know. same person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The other theme that I saw in this, if you look through the whole episode, is about the the characters moving beyond the limitations of their parents. That comes up quite a bit. And that's one of my my things, too. I guess I have a lot of things. <laughs> but the next generation should grow and make us uncomfortable. So... As a parent, I should expect to be uncomfortable. If if I've done a good job, my, my kids should go past my comfort zone in their growth because that's how we evolve as a humanity. So I saw that theme come up in several different situations like Cathias wanting to go into the politics. And at first his mom wants to stop him. She doesn't want to lose another family member to politics, but he does it anyway. And then Danny stands up to her parents. Son is deciding about whether to honor her father or move to another level. And Moon comes in and, and the cluster try to encourage her to think beyond what would be the next step in her path normally. Rajan ends up making changes. So it, it just I saw that come through in a lot of people, um, that theme of challenging what was passed down to them by their parents. Yeah, another part of that, too, was like Caffius is, when they have a clip, um, when the scene goes back to his dad. Yeah. And his dad's talking to his mother at the time before he goes into politics and stuff. But it's just that, you know, if we want the change, we have to change the things that we want changed. We can't wait for somebody else to do it. Yeah, I think the actual... And that's kind of a theme as well yeah yeah it is the entire series <laughs> <laughs> and in this yeah right and um that his dad actually i believe if i wrote it down right he says the only hope we have of making the country a better place is if we do it ourselves which is pretty profound and actually we're going to talk a little bit more about in one of our clips 
Let's get to clips. All right, let's do some clips. So we're going to kind of use some clips, talk about some themes, and we got Kala busting into Rajan office yet again <laughs> without, without a meeting. All right, and this is their interaction. Like the manifest are complete lies. My God, Kala, you're even more beautiful when you're upset. Rajan, please. We're shipping out old antibiotics, discontinued HIV inhibitors. We're selling old, useless, defective, and possibly poisonous drugs to people whose lives depend on them. I know this is not easy to hear for the first time, but this is all standard procedure. We have to vacate our storage space. And our profit margins, like every pharma company, depend on not wasting every drug that's slightly below standard. You know... This is how this business works. We all do it. Some of those drugs can still work. We are selling the only kind that those people can afford. You have to trust me. This is the way to serve the greater good. What if your father, or what if I went to hospital and was given improper expired drugs? That won't happen. Why not? Because these products are shipped to distant places. We would never risk the lives of our own people. Which places? Out of India, you know, like China or Africa, far away places. Like Kenya? Could be. Why? Holy cow. Yeah. There's so much in there. We, yeah, we talked about lies earlier, right? <laughs> and this is kind of, it, it might be, it's not excluding a person per se from a business, but it's... Um, a lie that definitely harms humanity. Yeah, but his logic is partially correct, right? So this is the only one. Eh, okay, so logic as far as a budget goes, sure. Logic and business, sure. But that's only a small part of the picture, right? That That's not a logical thing to do in life if you you're you don't see people outside of yourself as other oh yeah all of that is true right so but but the way our society is shut and and he says this is standard procedure which moves you into the just like you said just that business logic right and you have to have another which is why the boundaries of country or or these boundaries these walls that we put up between humanity as long as we're thinking of them as others, we can justify and say, well, there's better hope than no hope. And even that, the standard procedures, we do put expiration dates on for reasons that maybe there are drugs that are still good. So it's this crazy mix. If I can see how Rajan raised in that would be like, oh, and not ever look at it till he basically literally looks well, literally. No, he literally looked Caffius in the eyes. I guess, right? <laughs> because Caffius is the one that comes through. So he had to see Caffius's eyes and see the humanity. And that became not another anymore, right? So there, it right. is ridiculous. Like, it's just so... It is capitalism and the society. And if we... You know, with businesses, if they don't make their money, then they don't put the money into research, and then we don't get the, you know, it's it's this uh, black well, hole. We've made, but... we've made life about chasing paper, right? So everything is structured around 
this black hole of currency that we like to call money. <laughs> Everything supports that particular system. So we don't really have a system that actually promotes health and life and that grows health. Humanity or the earth. Right. We don't, that's just not there. And if you just look around us, <laughs> there's signs of it everywhere just collapsing. And it doesn't work. And so many people are in pain because of this. And we have to really, humanity's got to take a step back and take a, reassess what's going on. And I, I believe that we are. Yeah. And I think that does even the whole internet and the sensei visiting and all of that, we are making the world smaller. You know, we can have friends. Just even look at the fan base. We have friends in every country of the world. The show itself brought us to all these different countries, quite literally, and expands our worldview. And that is probably one of the biggest keys to stopping standard procedure and seeing humanity. Because when they're not others, when they're real people, and when those people are a part of you, you can't hurt them in the right, same Right, and that's way. really that's really it. It's like we have to we have to understand that our perception of reality is that we're separate, but that is not reality. Right. Right. So when he understands that he's hurt Kala, which is Caffius, now it becomes his problem. He saw like he has the experience of that pain. Therefore he's gonna make a difference. But so many of us go about the way our systems are all set up and how compartmentalized everything is Uh, an example here in new york um that i was talking with somebody about is basically people in new york city have a ton of votes compared to upstate right and so what happened is is they're going to close down a huge power plant down in new york city and they have the votes to do so, but then they're going to run power from upstate New York, which is going to affect everybody upstate that's not in New York City. But the people in New York City, their perception is, oh, hey, cool, we get cheaper power or whatever. We don't have to deal with this nuclear plant. But it's affecting the rest of the entire state. So it's kind of like these ideas like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, our bottom line's good. We'll just let, you know, drug dealers get a hold of this these drugs in Kenya and We'll make our money from it, and then it'll just affect those people over there instead of really humanity just doesn't have this. We're we're not smart enough. We're not wise enough yet to go, oh, this is going to affect everybody, except for when it comes to um, our environment is changing. That's one thing we all need. Every single human being needs fresh air and clean water. When that becomes a problem for everybody, and it is, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, the people will go, this isn't okay to continue these behaviors. We have to change it, right? It doesn't matter about money. It doesn't matter about policy. If we don't have these things, we can't literally live here, so you can't make your fucking money. <laughs> like, deal. we got to deal with these problems. So our environment in itself is actually helping us work together whether we see it that way or not and rajan does change it when i first saw this episode i was like i don't know if i believe him or if he's just lying to her it because it was a quick turnaround but he let's assume he's telling the truth which when we talked to purab the way he perceived it he was Right. I have a different perception of this character up until the last episode. 
Right. So, but that goes back to he he really says I was just that's my belief system. It was like a relig like what the way you were taught to believe in God, I was taught to believe mm-hmm. in this. I was crunching these numbers and doing this before I could think. Now you've shown me a new way, you know, so that using your voice and just telling your truth can really be impactful because sometimes it's not about blaming the person for doing something because from their worldview, there was nothing wrong. He didn't say, this is manipulative and I'm going to do it anyway. He was taught to believe that this was not just good for business. It was also for the greater good and that his way, his intention was to help humanity. And he was a young, young person. Right. And so the best way to influence somebody is when they're young. Right. right. Like how we influence our And we don't even know if his schools. father didn't believe that. Right. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is we have to speak our truth and we can change people's minds but we don't have to assume that because they have a very, very different perspective than us, that their intentions are that far away from our intentions. Sometimes our intentions for the higher good play themselves out in what look like opposing forces. And it doesn't necessarily Absolutely. mean that they yeah. are. Yeah, so it's not, it's not black and white. It's not right or wrong. And it goes into the whole like standard procedure to, to me, represents the whole government. Like we can say our government is bad or this, this industry or, you know, the top 10% or whatever, all the stuff that goes on, we can say that that's bad. It doesn't mean that the, all the individuals in there don't, that are, that they're actually only out for manipulation. Like there are human beliefs within that that keep it running. And when something is standard procedure, it dilutes the process. Right. It, it's the system itself, per se. It's not the people. You game the system. You know, maybe we're, maybe we're so afraid of AI because AI already exists in the sense that the industries or the governments took on a life of their own that are no longer programmed completely by the individuals. Have you seen The Matrix? Not <laughs> <laughs> in a while. <laughs> I was like the people where I like give them all this great advice and then years later they're like, come up with this new idea and I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> I will be going and taking the black pill now. <laughs> That's my choice. <laughs> That's all she wrote, folks. Just kidding. All right. Yeah, so it's crazy, but also we have Kala in here is actually like confronting the situation instead of just going along with it. Right. And That's big for her. It is big for her. Maybe she I mean, this is just, you know, up in the air, but maybe she wouldn't have done that if she wasn't s- s- endowed with Caffius. Mhm. Right. Right. Because yeah. she wouldn't have known that that's a problem. Oh, right. She wouldn't right? have. Because even earlier in the it, show. It personalized for they were, her. Right. They were. Right. So yeah. now it's a problem because it's my problem. Right. Right. Instead of recognizing people are in pain because they're other. It would have right? been abstract. Even if she had that gentle heart, even if she questioned it, it would have not been personalized for her. That's the key. We have to become personal. You know, it's it's not rocket science either. 
it's really not. You just got to be a really good human being and go, man, I mean, all the great teachers are like, treat others how you want to be treated, <laughs> like kind of thing. Like, oh, that person is having this problem. It's not, you, you don't have to make it your own problem. You just go, that's probably pretty uncomfortable. Maybe I should help a brother out. You know what I mean? So I know it's a lot more complicated than that. But if we just looked at those situations, instead of saying, not my problem, and we took care of those situations, life would be different. But here here we go again when I talk about systems. I kind of, um, many years ago, I had this experience for myself, and I really had to question what I was going to do in this particular situation. I was, so for those of you who don't know, I am into martial arts, and I, I was a martial arts instructor, and I teach people about situational awareness and all this kind of good stuff that goes along with basically not getting yourself in a situation. But I was driving along from, I was going home from work one day and there was this car pulled over on the side of the road and there's this tall dude and there's this woman inside the car. Her window is open and this guy, now I was, I drove up onto the situation. I wasn't there from the beginning or anything like this, but this guy was just hitting this woman in traffic And I was just like, I had to sit there and I had to think, I was like, what do I do in this situation? Right. And so it's, it's kind of a hypothetical situation. You, it might look like something that it's not right. So that's, that's where I said it kind of gets complicated and, you know, police officers have to go through this all the time, whether a person is going to shoot them or not. Like it's a big problem. (laughs) They have to discern that in a matter of seconds when they're in a situation all the time, they're always trying to like figure this out. Um, and that's why they have standard procedures. So what I'm getting at, I know this is a long winded story. Um, but what I'm getting at is we have laws that prevent us from taking action. And what I mean by that is these laws, let's say I were to stop my car, get out, prevent this guy from hitting this woman. It looked like he was assaulting her. I don't know. I really don't know what was happening. If I got in there and I got involved and this went to court, I could have then been charged for assaulting this man. So because that law's there, I have to process all of this stuff, what I'm willing to do for myself to take care of another human being. And so again, the system is in place to kind of prevent us from really wanting to get ourselves involved because then there's so much red tape involved through the outcomes. I'm not saying it would have gone there, but it could have gone there. Right. And yet I don't know that the system was put in place for those reasons. That's a perspective. But what happens, whether it was or it wasn't, anytime we try to generalize procedures in order to prevent we solve one situation and then we try to generalize it because we're like okay now we have a procedure so now this happens in all situations so the inability to personalize and let our individuality or our intuition or our sensorium selves just simply make the highest decision in that moment it gets it does get suppressed whether the original intention is that or not that is a key that we are suppressing our we're we're no longer making the choices for the highest good in every moment right because naturally you would get involved or not but you would have that freedom you know just whether you're just like hey stop or whatever like it just depends you know it depends on the person in the situation but i think if 
you know, there's there's just a lot of factors that go into play. Of like but that's what I mean. Yourself. It's personalized. Yeah. Right. Naturally, you would get involved. Maybe I wouldn't get involved in the same way because I could have gotten killed more likely than a martial arts guy. You know. So. Right. Yeah, we didn't what, even get into all that business. So the point is. Each individual would be free to assess the situation, their skill set, and make the highest decision, whether it's making a phone call or stepping out of the car or drawing attention to it, whatever it is, we're no longer free. We, we step outside of ourselves to think about what's going to happen later, and we miss the moment. Mm-hmm. And we miss our own individual highest perspective of what to do next. It's like we became a big world and then we're a small world, but we got to, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Humanity will make it into the sensorium land. All right. So let's. Actually, this next clip, which we referred to a little bit ago, um, really springboards on to what we're talking about and whether we take care of ourselves or we make a difference to society, how we take actions. Yeah. And so we have, um, we're back with Riley in the airplane. And uh, Bodhi shows up. Have you seen this? So many terrible things going on. I used to wonder if there was something I could do to try to change the world. Before I understood such thoughts were unskilled. Trying to change the world only leads to suffering. Changes ourselves. I'm not sure I agree. I know. That's why I can't help you. You weren't said in that seat before, were you? I hope one day we can visit again. When your thinking does not reflect their thinking. Please talk to me. You are the rave. You may feel gravity without knowing how it works. There are forces acting upon every life that remain beyond our control or comprehension. There it is, Bodhi. <laughs> Knocking it out of the park with her her practice. Again, very layered because we could take this in so many ways. And the simplistic thing is I'm not going to get involved. I can't change the world, so let me just work on myself. And this gets into one of the maybe spiritual teachings that gets simplified in our world right now. The simplistic understanding of it results in a different impact than when we understand it in all the layers. Because we... Riley kind of calls her out. So if you're only worrying about yourself, why did you show up at the rave? Why did you show up here? And when I listen to this, and I truly understand and definitely springboarding off of our conversation, when we are trying to change the environment or the outside to make it safe for us to become who we fully are, we, like she says, your thoughts are their thoughts. Or they're influenced. Yeah, we so, kind of actually talk about this a lot. Yeah, so so to make the decision 
from that. You can't fix something from the same perspective. They're also bringing in here, there's more than just Sense8 connection. Like that's just the tiniest connection to the vastness of what we have access to out there. And this is, I think, one of the first scenes that they're really bringing that in. Like our interaction, our empathic connections, our telepathic connections, all of this magic. Limbic resonance. That limbic resonance is just touching the surface to all the other energies that we can navigate and utilize and influence with. But really in its core, honestly, this cluster is really doing what Angelica did, what all the other clusters did on a lot of ways. And this is where you know, I've said I got that stomach ache. Like, if we're just going to repeat the same story for season after season, I don't want that. I think we weren't. I think they were starting to to put seeds in here of there is something different and to lead us on a, a very new story. But yeah, changing yourself and focusing inward doesn't mean not influencing. So this theme is definitely in here. And I think this scene is a very layered, layered, layered expression of this. It is. And it definitely could be a paradox and it is. And, you you know, from my perspective going into this, I will say basic (laughs) understanding of spirituality of learning to, or knowing that you have to change yourself first. It, it doesn't mean that you don't affect the world around you either. Right. So it's something you have to go in and experience for yourself and life teaches you that whether you're paying attention to it or not. You know, that's kind of the that's kind of what happens. We're all getting led to the same direction um, in many paths. But And it's exactly what we were saying in the conversation just before this clip. When we are free to make our choices, to align ourselves, to know our highest good, that highest good will uh, will ultimately be the highest good for everyone around us. So we can still take action, but now we're taking action from an aligned knowing with the energies that are far greater than what we've been shown even in, in this series so far. She's, these forces that she's talking about, when we align with those, that gravity that is influencing us beyond gravity, then we will take action, but that action will be in perfect alignment. And that is in con- we can't navigate that when we have the laws, even though humans put laws in and even animals, there's like, you know, there's pack laws in animals, there's instinctual survival laws that go into place. But when, when we are restricted by those, we no longer make the decision for our highest good most of the time, and therefore we're not making it for others. So what she's meaning is, when we know ourselves, when we get our shit together on the highest level, tune into all these other energies, we're going to make we're going to influence the world in a different way. And until then, we're just part of the problem. Yeah, when you were saying that, it reminds me of the remark you made earlier about how our children should surpass us in kind of a way um, of that. It's like when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, the parents are kind of like the pack in a way, like. Until the children say, I don't want to do this anymore, then they just follow the pack kind of thing. Right. Like that whole, okay, well, these are the laws, yada, yada. But you can, the idea is to go and expand that in a healthy way. Which happens in the animal kingdom. That's how the packs don't turn into millions, (laughs) right? 
So this was actually a very important scene for Sense8, the scene we watched just setting up the show and a theme that runs along it. And it's it's really good. And I was it was awesome to see Bodhi for the first time with her Tree of Life tattoo on her head and stuff. I was like, oh, sweet. It's going to be a badass ninja chick. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of parent-child relationships. Right. Let's go peer into the scene, which I chose because it was just so important. But we got uh, Danny being confronted by her abusive boyfriend and parents in Leto's place after they get back. Stop it. I'm not going anywhere with you. Don't be a child, Daniela. Don't treat me like one. Everything I built in this world, I built for you. But if you force me... I will cut you out of that world. I'll never look back. I know this is hard for all three of you to understand, but I have a relationship with these two men that isn't based on threats or control or money. I'm not allowed to be sanctimonious when you're living off a trust fund. Keep your money. She doesn't need it. Daniela, please. Come home with us. Sorry, Mom. I am home. And so the reason I picked this one is because Daniela chooses not to be in abusive relationships anymore, even with her parents, which we all have a unspoken bond with whether we like them or not (laughs) there is still energy there that is um a deeper bond than you can um it's just there you all know it is and she had to just say no (laughs) you know it's uh i thought that was very important because that relationship when you come to your senses i'll say (laughs) that's the relationship we all kind of strive for is one without strings right no more money no more prestige no more anything And she's she's just giving that all up because she doesn't want to be abused anymore. She's she has all of those things at the cost of her self, of her self-esteem, of her heart. Like those things are not worth. She's had a taste of what it's like to not live that life anymore. And so here she she chose to bite the hand that feeds her so to speak. She doesn't know, you know, how things are going to turn out or whatever, but she chooses her highest good in this moment. Right. And it is one of those generational things. It's because, I mean, they seem like pretty awful people and we've seen the ex is kind of awful, but you've got a layered thing that everything I did, I built for you. It may not be an expression of love that we like or that we choose in our life, but that is an expression of love for some people. There is a belief that that is how you love someone as you create the wealth. You know, I built this empire for my child to take over or to have and to provide for. And that's not that uncommon in our society that a man expresses his love by providing. So in his mind, probably taught to him by his father that is what you do and then you've got her mother we don't we see that there is a little bit of a bond we don't get to see her personality she wants her daughter back she misses her daughter within that structure 
I don't see her having the strength or the wherewithal at this point in her life to step out of that structure herself. I mean, if we take the trajectory down the way, this could be healing even for her mom, because maybe, uh, you know, years from now, her mom has a place to go and says, the love that I have with my daughter is greater than this expression of love that I was taught was normal. So we've got that normalcy of culture. Well, even with her boyfriend, we kind of had this conversation about he was taught that it was okay to hit yeah. women, right? And that, so that's that's kind just of normal. Like that's, this, is, this is not physical violence, it's emotional violence. Right, which, again, it's breaking that normalcy. You know, you, you can understand someone. You can understand where that comes from, where they were taught that, how those beliefs, and you can even understand that from their perspective, these are expressions of love, and you can still choose a different expression of love in your life. Yeah, like loving yourself, right? That was a very loving expression for herself to choose differently. Yes, she loved herself, and she shows how she wanted to be loved. So it's slightly different that I'm trying to express. Like all of these things are expressions of love. Mm -hmm. We get that confused sometimes. We can see and understand their expressions of love and we can even feel the love in it. And she was probably conflicted a little bit because she grew up real. Yeah, you could see it in her face. Right. So she knows that that's an expression of love. And you can honor and know that that is and then choose to be loved. So she's being loved and she's saying that. Like these two love me in a way I've never been loved before. So she has a new understanding of how love can look. And that doesn't even mean she has to be attached to their relationship. It just opens her up completely to love doesn't have to include this. Subjugation. Right. And then by doing that and standing up for herself, even though she's hurting her mother, she's now witnessing to her mother that there are other options of how to be loved. Mm-hmm. That's why I picked this scene, because it's awesome. Yeah. And, and eventually, the generations shall remember. And that brings us to, um, back to the shootings, because like that was pretty thematic, um, Very important to the story of this particular episode and the whole arc. But here we have Neitz is in bed looking at some stuff and she wakes up Nomi and they have a little conversation. What whispers where? Sorry, sorry, so Mm. sorry. But you were going to freak out too. Mm. What? I couldn't sleep. I I was curious about the shooting everyone's been talking about. Oh, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the people killed was this British politician, Mitchell Taylor. He was giving a speech when it happened. This is not out of some woolly desire to sit in a circle and sing Lennon's Imagine. This is to remind people that free societies are stronger societies. Is he speaking at a mosque? Uh Uh-huh. Is he Muslim? It was some kind of peace congregation with all kinds of people, Jews, Muslims, Christians, atheists. Since the invention of cities, open multicultural societies are the places that the world's best and brightest have wanted to go to. While monocultural, repressive societies, the places they've wanted to escape from. Oh my God. 
You know, we're not just going to sit around to John Lennon's Imagine and sing Kumbaya and stuff. <laughs> he was actually trying to present a logical approach to why it's important to have a free society instead of an emotional approach, which is kind of cool if uh, we take a look at the rhythm of them weaving that in through this show. Right. Because it's been a lot about emotions, and now we have a very an emotional thing thinking about a free society is this dreamland or whatever and he's just saying no this is a very practical approach to becoming better as human being another important part about this scene was we get to learn about kind of like we we peer into the drone program a little bit and like why would they why would whispers use this to kill this? Like, what? what is that statement about? How does this help BPO by killing somebody at a peace talk? The clip that we used, we didn't go on to identify. We didn't get where they identify it as Todd. Right. That was just moments after. They continue They realize to that on. it's BPO. Right. And Todd, which... Yeah, so there's the whole plot line of that. There's what was he doing? Why was that a threat? Why individuality would be the threat, right? The Well, yeah, and truth and freedom is right. the <laughs> nemesis of, of, of homo sapiens who use deceit. I do think we're also getting that theme again of Todd wasn't a bad guy. Right, well, it wasn't Todd, it was Whispers. Right. But if we translate this to living sensei, how does this play out in our lives? And the theme that's gone through this episode is none of us are just us, right? And so he becomes the killer, but who influences that killer? So if we look at these mass shootings, who's responsible for the mass shootings? Is it the person who pulls the gun or is it the influences that lead that person to do that i think that that it is plot related but i think it's also symbolically related that's very interesting because when we go back to riley going to the church and they have this little conversation kind of at the end of there where the woman the scientist the academic she pulls out riley's wrists and they took it they exchange wrists so to speak and they talk about how whispers is the always the quiet voice in your head that makes you want to hurt yourself basically right and then that, because I think that plays in with what you just said. Right. Because Whispers is a character in this show, but he's entitled Whispers. But we all have those demons inside of us that are, yeah, that are influenced by 
the whispers outside of us as well as inside of us that result us to behavior. And we've seen in this episode multiple times where people made things based on their worldview that seemed normal to them. They just didn't think outside of that and the influences that happen. And I think that this is so important because as soon as we create a bad guy and we make the bad guy another, then we are perpetuating the same problem. And so we don't want to see the villain as an aspect of ourselves, but until we see the villain as also the innocent that is within us as well, we can't overcome this problem in humanity. That is the, that is the paradox that we have, isn't it? Yes. And when you said that about paradox, I'm like, yes, because all truth is a paradox, which is why teaching truth becomes so difficult to navigate. That's what experience is for. Right. Right. So people have to have their own experiences. So truth is experiential. It's not taught. I was actually thinking about this quote, probably when we were watching this episode around the same time, but the true Tao is not a Tao that can be talked about. The true path can't be talked about, basically. It can only be experienced. You can talk about it, but it's not an experience until it's an experience, and then you know it. So there's a difference between conceptualization and experiencing the way. The gnosis. Yes. Which is, again, why this series and the creators are such a gift to humanity, and why entertainment and art art in all forms, is so important to our evolution because it becomes experiential. It, it mm-hmm. is beyond yeah. words. It becomes something that we all can experience and then find that within ourselves versus the speaking. And I know I'm, my gift in this lifetime has been more about the teaching and the speaking, and yet I know that there's more. But words can lead us to that same experience. Right. And, uh, and actually, I teach through meditation. It is through the energy that I actually do the meditation, the teachings, the words only lead the people to that space. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do even what I did if I didn't move beyond. We all have, yeah, words yeah, won't I mean, get us yeah, there. Con- those con- con- you have to conceive before you re- perceive, before you can receive Right? It's this whole trinity of experience and and not one part is better than the other, but we're just talking about like really integrating that into our, whatever that would be, the Tao, into our life. Yeah, and I guess, and, so what I'm really wanting to say about this, like my meaning of that when I got off on that and then got to meditation is I don't care what your art is. Art is the most valuable source in our universe right now. Or multiverse, or at least on Earth. I don't know if I know everything. But art is essential, and we're belittling art, and we need to honor it. Whatever form you express yourself in art, whether you're doodling, whether you're imagining, meditating, painting, writing, telling a story, remember that that's probably the greatest gift you're offering the world And everything else you do is secondary to that, probably. Maybe. Just a thought. Just a thought. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got to give a 
Big shout out to Miss Sarah Applegate for editing the Live Sense 8 podcast. Big thank you very much to you for listening to the, the podcast today and spending your time with us here and engaging with us on social media with all the shares and conversations. And if you want to support the show so we can grow, head on over to patreon.com forward slash live sense eight. And until next time, you stay frosty. 